Hey, Niner fans, this is the Instant Reaction Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero with Levin Black. Levin, this was an absolute drubbing by the Green Bay Packers. It is hideously bad. The worst loss to me in the Kyle Shanahan era. Not that I blame him for it, but I mean, no part of the team was good. 49ers get spanked by the Packers. They're now four and five on the season. Yeah, you want an instant reaction? My instant reaction to this game is F- you, the NFL. For making them play this game. Sorry to make you use a bleep on something you have to edit and get out quickly, but I think that needs to be said because I think every Niner fan is thinking it. And I think if you get an honest answer, every single person in that Niners building is thinking it because this game should not have been played. It should have been delayed, especially with it potentially being a negative result. Now, the NFL, I saw some tweets saying it was a false positive, and now the NFL. And others come out and say that the league office is saying that maybe Kendrick Bourne, they consider Kendrick Bourne's a positive and it's just a false negative, I guess, if you want to put it that way. But delaying to Monday allows, you know, the Niners to get Ayuk and Trent Williams back. And if you want to, I can understand not delaying in the scenario that you get an unfair advantage by getting people back type idea, but that's not the case here because the Packers would also get multiple running backs back and you, I mean, Aaron Jones played in this game, but he obviously was not – he looked good, but he got pulled pretty much once the Niners got up. I haven't seen much of Aaron Jones in the second half, and I think that's because he is still dinged up, so he would have gotten five more days to be healthy. They had no business playing this game. I don't understand the rationale. Some games – some teams have had COVID issues this year, and the games have gotten moved. And so I don't understand why this game didn't fall into that category. There's no reason why they couldn't have played the game on Monday night. And it's supposed to be about protecting the shield, right, the integrity of the product. Well, they didn't do that tonight. And it's in part because – I mean, look at the – it was a preseason roster, especially on offense for the 49ers tonight. It was like the fourth game of the preseason. I mean, in the first or second drive of the game, I'm hoping that Nick Mullins can throw a touchdown pass to River Craycraft. I mean, that's where we were tonight. Yeah, it, I, I really – we talked about this in our weekly Gold Standard podcast, and I, I do think the reason they didn't delay it is the Packers have had, already had their bye, and they're fearful that there would have been more of an outbreak if more time was allowed for positives to come through, and they would have been – having to go to their 18, 19 week schedule. And they didn't want to do that. And I think they're also fearful of what is happening because the NFL has had widespread COVID positives this week. I mean, there's six or seven teams with a COVID issue this week. I think they're scared of delaying it and more things happen. And then they end up having to cancel the game. And then they're really up Creek with the schedule. It was, I mean, I tried not to get emotionally invested in the game because I (laughs) knew how it was going to go. I mean, you could just tell right away, but I I couldn't help it. It still stung when I'm seeing Aaron Rodgers drop bombs to Devontae Adams all over the place. And this is my issue, Levin. The 49ers do not try and take away the other team's best option. Last week, we saw it with DK Metcalf. What did he have? 12 catches for 161 yards and two touchdowns. Devontae Adams is up somewhere. You know, he's in the 200-yard range. He had a touchdown. Like, what are we doing? Adams is the only threat in that Packers offense, and yet he's getting yards and receptions all over the place. 
It's what we criticized about Salah. He will not adjust his defense. Now, I think once Adams started going off, he did make an adjustment, but then he showed an unwillingness to pull the person who was destroying that adjustment. He started playing Marcel Harris as a deep guy over the top of uh, wherever Devontae Adams was lining up. I mean, I saw Harris on the right side, and I saw Harris on the left side playing two deep safety, and he was getting burned on both sides. He was literally playing two deep safety and allowing the receiver to get behind him because he was biting up, hoping to get the interception, and way overplaying it and ending up being behind the cornerback multiple times that he's supposed to be having the -the over-the-top protection. Marcel Harris, I've never been a fan of his. I see the athletic ability. I see the ability for him to hit. He's got a two-cent brain when it comes to the NFL. I don't know how smart he is in real life, so I'm not saying he, you know, he's a moron in real life. I don't know. But when it comes to being on the football field and being able to recognize what's happening in front of him, he doesn't have it. He constantly makes mental mistakes. I mean, there was that touchdown that he allowed over the middle of the field where he's still backpedaling as the receiver is already behind him. He does not have the brain to play in the NFL. He's a special teams only player. Yeah, it's yeah. Look, it was bad everywhere tonight. Um, I didn't like the game plans. Uh, obviously, the players on the field didn't execute. And I was getting into it with some Niner fans, you know, as we sort of stick with the defense here. Like the next play Eric Armstead makes will be the first play he makes. And I don't care. Some people say he's getting pressures. Look, you're getting paid to be a difference maker. okay? and pressures are great, but you're being paid to get sacks or or force fumbles or tip. Do something to help change the game. And he just disappears in games. Like, I don't even know that he's out there most of the time. I'm sorry. He has not been good enough this season. No. I mean, if you're paid the money that he is paid, it doesn't matter if you have help on that line. We're not saying that with all the injuries on the line, he should have another 10 sack season, but he should be doing something. He's on pace for three sacks, which, by the way, was his career high prior to his breakout year last year. It looks very much like Eric Armstead is an average player who's able to look much better than average when he has star players taking the spotlight and taking the double teams from him. He's somebody that I think can win one-on-one against guards on the inside to get sacks, which is what he was doing last year. He was getting his sacks from the inside when he went inside on pass downs. He's not somebody that's going to be able to get sacks from the edge. He does not have the speed for it. And he's not somebody that's going to be able to beat double teams on the inside. I mean, there, there was a play early in this game where he got double teamed and just got moved got worked by the double team i mean if you paid the money he's paid that's not supposed to happen i think that that might become a quan alexander level of bad contract now quan you know he got hurt and i don't think he was the same player when he came back i think if quan was the player that he was before he got that first injury because he was great for those first couple games with the niners but he wasn't the same and ended up being a terrible contract. And that's why they paid a lot of money to send him away. This does not look like a good contract. And, but see, the difference was Quan was what they had to do because of the Reuben Foster draft pick that didn't work out. Right. Buckner, I mean, Armstead cost us Buckner, essentially. They chose to keep Armstead over Buckner. 
And maybe they chose hold, Armstead hold on, and Ward over Buckner, but whatever. Buckner's not here and Armstead is, and that clearly was a mistake. I, I have to stop that that narrative because I, I saw that narrative posted this week, and I think Akash responded to it first, and then I retweeted saying exactly. But it wasn't it wasn't a Armstead or Buckler Buckner. They had no choice on Buckner because of what Buckner was holding firm on with his contract, which is he wanted it front loaded, and he did get it front loaded. He got something like twenty six million this year. The Niners absolutely could not afford to pay anybody that. Armstead got the contract he got because he was willing to work in whatever parameters they wanted, and he only has a $6 million cap hit this year. That's why he got the contract. I don't think he deserves it. It certainly is not playing at the level that so shows that, but they had no ability to ever afford Buckner. And that was the reports that came out with it. Buckner refused to not get paid that first year he wanted a big first year payout and the Niners absolutely I mean think about it if you if you swap the contracts I mean if you look at the average dollars per year overall on the contracts you would say yeah swap them with what they've done this year because Buckner's been great with Indianapolis Armstead has looked really bad with the Niners but with the way it was set up you're talking about I think it's a 20 million dollar more cap hit this year in 2020 what the hell? The Niners have like $2 million in cap space. So you got to find $18 million somewhere. There would, would be no Kittle extension. And there would have been some other big contracts that are good vets who are paid medium dollars that would have had to been go, go away. And you probably don't. I mean, this wouldn't be a big loss, I guess, with the way it's gone. But you probably don't sign Jimmy Ward either. Yeah, I wouldn't be crying over that. <laughs> like, what play has Jimmy Ward made? None. But I, I, None. I just want to stop the narrative because I think it's a popular narrative that the Niners chose to pay Armstead slightly less instead of pay Buck, Buckner slightly more. And it wasn't that choice because of the way Buckner demanded his contract be set up. The Niners had no choice but to trade him. Well, doesn't the fact that Armstead was willing to do whatever the Niners wanted, like, isn't that your first clue, San Francisco? First of all, you've <laughs> seen this guy for years. You know what he is. And the fact that he's willing to do whatever structure you want, he knows he's not worth that much money. Yeah, I'll be interested. I don't think they will, but I'll be interested to see if there's a little, you know, birdies that come out this offseason that they're looking to trade him. Because I, I looked it up before we got on here because I was curious with him making some bad plays tonight. They can't cut him because if they cut him, it, it costs them a lot of money next year. I think the, the cheapest option is post June one cut. And it's like 9 million in extra cap hit next year. But if they trade him, he only has a dead cap hit of five, which saves them a good bit of money right away and saves them tons in the future. So if they could find a trade partner post June one, I think the Niners would entertain that, but I don't I, I don't know if they're willing to even look because it requires admitting a really big mistake in giving him that contract. Somebody else I didn't think had a good game tonight, and that's Jason Verrett. And he's been amazing all year, so I don't want to crush him too badly. But he got burned on a couple of double moves by Devontae Adams. The Packers seemed to be to me like maybe they saw something that he had been biting on those and they attacked him with that. He just had did not play well all game today. Uh, again, I don't want to kill him because he's been our best defensive player pretty much other than Fred Warner all year, but this was not his best game. No, it was not. And, I mean, if we 
to talk about the defense in general, I think, and I, I was thinking this literally in the first quarter and it kept getting more and more confirmed in my mind. This was a game that you had an offensive coach know exactly how to beat the defensive system. Michael Floor knew how to beat this system and he was constantly doing it. He was constantly knowing that the outside corner was going to drop deep and give cushion. And he was running these little unders where he motioned Adams from one side of the field over, kept him on the inside out of the slot, but ran him in a short route to the outside, knowing that Roger's going to be able to get him the ball in almost like a screen. I mean, it's not really a screen. It's more of a slant, but before the corner could bite up and then you have Devonte Adams with the ball in the open field. I mean, they did that four or five times and they were doing it early right off the bat. I think this is a game where LaFleur knew exactly how to beat this defense and Salah continued to stick to his guns of this is the system. I'm not changing. Yeah, it was not uh, a good look for the Niners D and they usually have been playing tough to keep them in games, but it, they didn't look, they looked uninterested from the start. They, they were missing tackles. This defense does not miss tackles. And they were letting it. I mean, they were bouncing off Aaron Jones, trying to tackle him high. They just didn't come out with any sort of fire on defense. I think that's part of the thing they miss with Bosa in addition to the fact that he's just a monster. But there was just no urgency, no fire. It was like they knew we were going to get schmatz. And I don't blame them. Like, look, they know who's playing. They see who's out there. And they know where this season's going. And to be honest... I think we see a lot more performances like this going forward. Uh, That's quite possible. I did think during that first drive that Green Bay came out to make a statement and kind of a a big middle finger to the Niners because the Niners obviously ran on them all NFC Championship game. It was that record-setting game. What was that first drive? It was run Aaron Jones, run Aaron Jones, pass Aaron Jones, run Aaron Jones, run Aaron Jones. I think that was the first five plays where they were all Aaron Jones, and I think it was done on purpose – to say, yeah, we can do it to you. Yeah, great. Kind of a statement. The damn team is out. Give well, me a yeah. break. Yeah, but it was still a statement. I think that was purposeful that they wanted to come out and hit it with the running back to say, you know, kind of a, you know, here's your revenge. Even though, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, <laughs> on offense, you were playing literally against a different team. It was every single player was different, pretty much. It was only three players that even played in the NFC Championship game that played, and none of them that touched the ball played. So, like. Give me a break that it was a revenge game. Like, congratulations, Packers. You can you can beat a preseason 49ers roster. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, we would be feeling pretty good about it. I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah, the Niners were essentially a handicapped person out there. And the Packers pushed them out of their wheelchair and rubbed their face in the dirt. <laughs> okay. Like, congrats. Yeah, I, I know. I know, take it with a grain of salt, but yeah, I mean, it was a revenge game for them. It has to be with the way the two games went last last season. Do they get to play in the Super Bowl now? <laughs> Maybe. And it wasn't a revenge game. Like nah. That's another thing. If you tell me, if you said to me, you're going to play a team twice. One of those games, if you win, you go to the Super Bowl. Another one, if you win, it's a regular season game. Which one would you pick to win? Well, yes, but being put yourself in their shoes... And yeah, they certainly think this is probably a revenge game. Is there anyone else on defense you would like to highlight, good or bad? <laughs> no, I, I already mentioned Marcel Harris. The only other thing I would like to say about the defense, 
I guess, relates to him is why the F is he playing over Tavares Moore? Where the heck is Tavares Moore? What are you doing, Robert Sala? I feel like somebody needs to go knock him out. I mean, good luck doing that. Robert Sala, he's a man's man, but somebody needs to knock him out and say, hey, idiot, the season's over. Play the guys to see what you got. Because Tavares Moore has gotten pretty much no plays the last two weeks, and it's ridiculous. Put him in the game. I don't understand why they don't want to see Tavares Moore and Jimmy Ward, because Jimmy Ward is clearly, he's got the contract. He's going to be here next year. Right? Why not run Tavares Moore with him, have two athletic freaks with incredible speed as your safeties yes you don't have a true strong safety but do you really need it in this system why not see how that works stop playing marcel harris when tart goes down like i I don't get it i don't understand it either because you would think if there was ever a year where sort of you have to empty the roster empty the cupboard so to speak this would be it right everybody's hurt even if you don't want to play more like at this point you got to Everybody into the pool. Like, we need healthy bodies out there. You might as well throw them in. What have you got to lose? I don't get it either. And He's played well at times. I don't think this is what this is in this aspect because I think Moore is really good. But uh, I got to wonder how much Robert Sala is willing to tear it down and play the bench guys when he's hoping to get a head coaching position. He wants that defense to look as good as it possibly can. I wouldn't be so sure of that. I would. He ain't getting one. There's been plenty of times where somebody's a hot coaching candidate, doesn't get a head coach spot. The next year, his offense or his defense plays like crap, and suddenly they actually get the head coaching job. When the Niners are getting worked by 20 points a game for every game for the rest of the season, there's no way Robert Sala is getting a head coaching job. You you might be right, but don't underestimate how much relationships and – not actual results on the field matter to these owners who are hiring people. All right. So that was the defensive performance. Let's take a quick break and then we'll go over the offensive quote unquote performance. <laughs> I put that in quotes because it uh, wasn't much of one, but we'll cover, we'll cover it and see what stuck out to us after the break. All right. We're back here on the instant reaction podcast. Our instant reaction is the 49ers. What? D team got destroyed by the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night football. Not exactly a surprise. We just did the defense. Now let's look at the offense, Levin. And quite frankly, it was offensive. <laughs> yeah, in, in in the bad sense, yes. Yeah, the, the, there's nothing good that came out of this game other than, I mean, we'll talk about Richie James in a bit, but that that's about the only positive in it. In all honesty, it's not that huge of a positive despite what he's doing. I mean, who do you want to start with? Who do you want to rant about first? (laughs) Well, let me start with the quarterbacks because, you know, there's this narrative and it's not really a narrative because I think it's kind of true. The Kyle Shanahan schemes a lot of guys open, which he does. But if he schemes guys open all the time, why do his quarterbacks have so many interceptions? That's what I don't understand. Nick Mullins has played before tonight 13 games. He had 13 picks. Jimmy Garoppolo has played 31 games with the 49ers. He has 26 picks. So if guys are always so wide open, why do, why can't we find a quarterback that can protect the damn ball? Part of it is uh, Nick Mullins isn't very good. C.J. Beathard is not very good. Brian Hoyer is not very good. Part of it is Jimmy is prone to really bad things. But I think there is something to be said for Kyle's treatment of quarterbacks getting in their head. Kyle thinks it's so easy. 
You know, the wide receiver thinks it's so easy for the quarterback. You know, I think that's part of it is he has a wide receiver mindset because he was a wide receiver. He thinks it should be so easy for the quarterbacks. Just trust the system and make this dang throw. You know, that that's the type of mentality he has. So I think these quarterbacks go, hey, this guy's supposed to be open. So just trust the system sometimes. And that leads to interceptions because he gets it in their head. And instead of them just kind of having the freedom to process, they're worrying about, am I going to miss the wide open guy and Kyle's going to kill me? But like, why would you worry about that? If the guy's wide open, it should be easy to hit him. Because they're not always wide open. I think they, they, I mean, we've seen Kyle predict this guy's going to be wide open. Just make sure you get him the ball. I mean, there's been stories of him doing that and, you know, he gets lauded for it. You think he doesn't say that to a quarterback? I guarantee he says that in the helmet sometimes. Hey, this guy's going to be wide open. Just get him the ball. And maybe some of those picks are that. Who knows? I'm just saying, I think Kyle at this point, I, th- I think he's a great head coach. I don't, I don't think the Niners can find him better. So I'm not going there. I don't, I'm nowhere near that. But of the criticisms he has, because he's not perfect, one of them I would say is he needs to adjust his damn attitude towards his quarterbacks because I think he instills panic and doubt in his quarterbacks with how bad he is at treating them. Uh, I can't. They're human. They're human. I don't know what, you know, I know he's hard on quarterbacks. I know that. Um, but like part of me is like, you have to know as a football player that sometimes your first read's not going to be open. Like they've played football before getting to the NFL, right? So they they kind of know that sometimes you have to look off and go to other players. And they 49ers quarterbacks, regardless of who it's been, have shown really no ability to do that and no, no escapability, like absolutely yeah. none. So if it isn't there and there's any pressure, that that play is just dead. It's just a dead play. But Kyle has also said he doesn't like his quarterbacks to create. He doesn't like them going off script. He doesn't like when they scramble and abandon the play. Just trust the play. It will work. Boy, he only told Jimmy to not run in the past. But I've also seen him design an offense for Robert Griffin III that it had a load of running. And he, he won the rookie of the year. So, like, he's capable of doing it. Yeah, he's capable of doing anything he wants to on offense. The problem is, is he's the king now. He doesn't have a head coach that says, you know, do it. That's part of the problem is, I mean, I've talked about it on here. The biggest issue with Kyle as a head coach, and like I've already said, so don't be tweeting at me. I think he's a really good coach overall, but his negative is 100% tied to his ego. And part of that is, is he thinks his system is so great a quarterback doesn't need to ad-lib. You know, get over yourself. You're not perfect. You're not going to call the perfect play every time. Your quarterback should have some ad-lib ability. Well, maybe this will be a wake-up call. Who knows? Uh, the other wake-up call I'd like to see him finally adjust to, Levin, and I've said it a million times, and I'll keep saying it, he needs to be more aggressive on fourth down. We saw it right out of the gate tonight. They're, they, they've got nobody on offense, right? Like they're going to have to struggle for every point they get. Aaron Rodgers is rolling. They, they had already Green Bay went right down the field and scored a touchdown. They've scored on every opening drive this season, which is incredible for Green Bay. Like, you know, you're going to need points. And there they are, fourth and one. And what happens? Punt. Not a fake punt. Nothing. Punt. Like, what are you doing? Then you give Green Bay the opportunity to go up by two scores early in the game, which you know is going to sink you. Like, I do not understand 
why he is so afraid to go for it on fourth down. Like, what the hell? Especially tonight, you had nothing to lose. Uh, I don't get it. I mean, he saw the pack go for it on fourth down, and they were already up in the game. With that Devontae Adams, which was great coverage, actually. One of the few times they had great coverage on him. It was just uh, an all-pro quarterback thrown to an all-pro wide receiver. But, yeah, there is something to be said, and I hate to keep going back to this, but I do think it it is part of it. Kyle has an ego of, I'll just get him next time. I'll go score three touchdowns in a row in the next three drives, so I, I don't need to take the risk of a turnover here, which is odd because a lot of times the ego would say, hell yeah, I can get that first down. But I think he goes the opposite direction, and that's why he almost – Never goes for it on fourth down. The only time he goes for it on fourth down is if QB sneak is possible. Yeah, that also didn't work tonight because Nick Mullins executed the worst quarterback sneak I think I've ever seen. But, I mean, then you saw it with Green Bay, right? So Green Bay is winning. Uh, they throw a pass on third down. Originally, they're given the first down. Kyle challenges it. Good challenge, by the way, because challenging a spot is always hard to win. But he was correct. They won it. And, of course, what happened? Green Bay goes for it anyway, because of course they do. Like, if you were to ask Kyle Shanahan, what would you rather have Green Bay do? Kick a field goal or go for the first down? He would say kick a field goal. So, like, why don't you do that to the other team? Even their second possession, they throw the Niners throw the ball to Craycraft in the end zone. He almost makes a nice catch. Actually, it was a pretty good throw by Mullins. And it's fourth down from, like, the five or whatever it was. And Kyle runs the field goal team out there. Again, like... You're taking points away from your team. You're making it harder for your team to win. And you can't do that as a head coach. You text me every single fourth and short. Yep. For the last two years, you know, why isn't he going for it? What a sissy. You know, he's scared, whatever. And I would say a majority of them, I disagree. You know, especially last year, because when you have a dominant defense and you have an offense that's one of the best, you can punt it away. And live to fight another day. But this year and this game, he should have gone forward and forth down every single time. Every time. You got no, you got nothing to lose. But yeah, it, this is one of the cases where, like you said, you saw it on the players in that first drive when they weren't tackling well, that they knew they didn't have a chance. And I, I think you saw it some in the play calling. The Kyle was just, you know, we'll do what we can but I'm not risking anything. I'm not showing any trick plays. I'm not wasting anything in my bag of tricks. And he kind of packed it in too. One thing I they said on the broadcast that I thought was really interesting. So Kyle said he told Aikman and Buck that he had devised a game plan that was basically 85% yeah. towards Brandon Ayuk. And then Did you see he, his tweet? And Ayuk tweeted, yeah, an 85 with like a broken heart after it, right? Which is fantastic. So, yeah, and that's what I was hoping for going into this game. I was really looking forward to seeing what he could do when he was the focal point. Um, and so that could have been a factor too. Like, you know, they sort of had the rug pulled out from under him at the last minute. But it just was not a very good offensive show. And there's only one 49er 11 that had a good day statistically, and that was Richie James. Well, I know we're going to get into it here a little bit because you and I sort of disagree, but the, the numbers on James, nine catches, 184 yards, and a touchdown. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, he showed, in my opinion, yes, a lot of it was kind of he's wide open and he runs after the catch, kind of blown coverages by the defenses, but he showed that he should have been used 
some and gotten more of a chance to play in the past because when he has been healthy, he doesn't play unless there's a major issue other than being the return guy. And I think he's shown that he's developed enough as a receiver to be out there and have opportunities. You know, am I saying he's a starter? No, but I think he is somebody that deserves to have more routes and have more of an opportunity to do something. I'm wondering if the five games that Jimmy Garoppolo won when he first came here are ultimately damaging for the 49ers because I feel like that has colored fans' opinions of Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think it's colored fans' opinions of Trent Taylor too because Taylor was Garoppolo's favorite (laughs) target in those five games. And I think people keep thinking back to those games when they think of those players and they keep ignoring all the games and plays we've seen since then that show that these guys are not as good as we thought they were going to be. They're not Brady and Welker or Brady and Edelman. Yeah. So, I mean, here comes the Taylor rant because I've never been on his train. You know, I thought, yeah, he's a decent rookie. But when people were saying that offseason, oh, he's going to be an 80 catch guy. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what was his stuff? All his stuff was a short slant because that's all he can do. He doesn't have the athletic ability to do anything else. And that was before all the injuries. I think tonight showed one thing to me. And that's Trent Taylor should not be on this team anymore. When it comes time to make a wide receiver move, like when Ayuk comes off COVID, Taylor's the first guy I would cut to play in this game. I would keep Kevin White, who barely got any run in this game. I would keep River Craycraft. Why? Because they at least have the athletic ability to develop into something. Trent Taylor doesn't. He does not have the athletic ability to be in the NFL. He doesn't. He's small. He's not quick and he's not fast. He's nothing. That's a good combination. That's my combination. I also yeah, possess I, those three qualities. I, I don't like, I understand he has a lot of fans. There's been a lot of people on that Trent Taylor but train. Like, why? Because of those five games. Yeah. Yeah. Because of those five games. You're not wrong about that. I'm just saying of all the guys on this roster, even the guys that just got called up from practice squad, he has no ability to develop into anything of value. Those guys at least have the athletic ability to develop into something. I would not shed any tears if the Trent Taylor era came to a screeching halt in San Francisco. That's for sure. Um, I agree with you that James should get more run than he gets. I don't think he's anything special, but the object is to play your best players, whoever they are. And he's clearly better than some of the guys that, that have been getting run. I don't know that he's as good as he looked tonight. I mean, nine for 184 and a touchdown with a, it was a 47 yard touchdown. Granted, the guy fell down, so he sort of walked right in. But still, I mean, I don't think he's that good, but he certainly showed that he's better than his playing time to this point has indicated. Pretty much every time he's gotten a chance as a wide receiver, he's made a big play. You know, he hasn't always put up nine catches or, you know, these are career highs. But every time he's gotten a chance as a receiver, he's made a big catch or he's had a couple bigger games in the past. But, you know, I theorized in his rookie year when he had that uh, one long touchdown, but then didn't get to play (laughs) pretty much again as a wide receiver that and I think it's probably still true. I don't think he's a very good blocker. And in Kyle's run dominant offense, if you can't block as a wide receiver, you're Dante Pettis out of there. Yeah, you have to be able to block. And I, th- I think that's what keeps him off the field a lot. But um, 
Newsflash, Kyle, if a guy is this good at getting open, at times you can give up the blocking ability. If you pass, you don't really have to worry about that. You can put him on the far outside where he's not going to be part of the run play. He also, I will say, he totally, Richie James totally derailed the drive. They were before the interception, the first interception drive. They're it's second and six. They run the ball. They get the first down. He gets called for a holding. That becomes second and 16, which then becomes third and 16, which then leads to the Mullins interception because they got to take a deep drop. And Justin School sucks. Ass, so, right. His blocking stalled a drive. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> right. Gets right into what I was just saying. But there's one other thing that I wanted to say. And that uh, I don't get the hasty use. I mean, see what you got in the guy. Play him. Like, they came out, they had him in for the first series, and they went, huh, just kidding. We're going <laughs> to pass against this defense that's known for being terrible on outside runs. And then when he did get opportunities, he couldn't get the light of day. Why? Because he telegraphed what the heck you were doing, Kyle. He was only in when they were going to run the ball after that. He was literally, like, I kept watching. He would get, like, one out of every five series. And when he would come in, it would be run, run. And he wouldn't get anything because the defense would literally come eight guys into the box. Because they knew, oh, Hasty's back in instead of McKinnon? Okay, they're definitely running. Like, stop telegraph. Like, that that's the opposite of what Kyle's known for. He's known for you never knowing what's going to happen. Like, is Hasty that bad as a pass catcher that you can't do something with him in the pass game? They had nine carries in the first half, nine rushing attempts as a team in the first half. Hasty finished with four carries for three yards in the game. He also had two catches for 10 yards. I thought he made a couple of, of nice plays at times when he had the ball in his hands, but you're right. Like, I don't understand why the kitchen sink wasn't empty. That doesn't make any sense. But like, why didn't you bust out with everything tonight? I, 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 I don't know. It was just nobody gave a good effort tonight from the coaching staff to the players to the everything. It was terrible. I mean, I, I will say McKinnon looked good. This is the first time I would say all season that he looked really good. Well, he yeah, was making they gave, him a, they gave him a week off before. Well, yeah, but he was he was looking good. I mean, he was making a lot out of nothing. I mean, there were plenty of times where I thought, oh, he's only going to get a yard. And then he makes his cut and he makes it at just the right time and ends up with five yards. I would say he looks like a guy that maybe you do bring back next year if he comes back on the cheap because he's looking like he's starting to get his legs under him. You know, I guess we should have realized and maybe shown a little bit more patience that, yeah, he's coming back from these knee injuries. Maybe it's going to take him a little while to get into form. And it looks like he's getting there. Not that it matters at this point. <laughs> 34 to 17, just an absolute drubbing. I don't know what more to say about it, Levin. I, it wasn't good. I wasn't expecting it to be good. I just wonder how much more of this we're going to see. I mean, I know they'll get some of these guys back that weren't there tonight, but I think it's going to look pretty similar to this as we go down the stretch, unfortunately, for the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't really think there's a whole – I mean, there's not much to look forward to. The things that you're looking at now are – Ooh, who could be good and actually be brought back next year? Like, who who's the guys that are going going to develop in the second half of this season and actually be like good young guys? You know, how good can Ayuk really be? Uh, is McKinnon worth bringing back? Is Hasty a guy that's actually going to have a roster spot next year when running backs are healthy? 
you know, things like that. Guys like Tevin Coleman shouldn't be getting an opportunity. Like, you know, they're not part of the future. Anybody that you know for sure is not part of the future. If there's a guy behind him that might have a chance, but you don't know, they should be benched. And yes, I would say that I wouldn't completely bench Tart, but more should get some run there. I like would. I said. Like, I wouldn't completely bench Tart. I, I think that sends the wrong message because he is one of the defensive leaders and he's not bad. So you kind of send the wrong message, but he should be in a pretty heavy rotation and more should get some run. I, I just don't get it. In order to be a leader, you have to make plays and Tart and Ward do not make plays. They just don't like it's abundantly clear now. You know, it's funny. We talked about breakout performers going into the season. And I remember we had to do like bold predictions and Akash said, we're going to get three interceptions by safeties this year, which of course would be three more than they got last year. And he, we got one in week one right away. And I was texting Akash <laughs> like, oh, look, you're going to be a genius. Guess how many we've gotten since then, Levin? Uh, none, I don't think. None. None. They don't make plays. Bench him. Throw somebody else in there. I don't care about defensive leader. Give me a break. Quan Alexander was defensive <laughs> leader. What teams he play for? You know, I, I I will say it does annoy me when it comes to Jimmy Ward that in a game like today, I, I even saw it a little bit. But there's times when the guy gets a catch. Jimmy Ward is a second late getting there, but you know, it gets a big hit and the guy is stopped for a 15 yard gain and Jimmy Ward's flexing. Like, <laughs> you were late. Your job is to get there before the ball gets there. Right. <laughs> I can't stand that type of thing. And I, I, he's one of the few people I had a good game, so I don't want to rail on him, but it was kind of annoying me a little bit that Fred Warner was flexing after every tackle. It's like, dude, we're getting smoked and you're tackling guys five yards down the field. Like, yeah. But that that that's one of my pet peeves. Don't flex when you're getting stomped. Don't yeah, flex because you because you stopped a guy 20 yards down the field, which Warner didn't do that. But, you know, talking about Ward there, you know, ooh, you you tackled the receiver after you let him catch the ball. Good job. Like <laughs> you've done half of your job correctly. <laughs> if you, no, just you, get that you did the part field. of your job that should never happen if you actually did your job. Well, that's true. So not a good night for the 49ers. We're sorry it wasn't a happy recap. I I can't even say like hopefully it's better next week because it's New Orleans next week. And uh yeah, that's uh it's gonna be a struggle. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to chasing Kamara around the field and Michael Thomas will probably be back. Yeah, that that's super exciting. Let me tell you, maybe maybe Armstead will actually get a sack since Breeze can't really move. Well, I saw Breeze is actually banged up. I don't He's banged up this week, so maybe they get maybe it's like the taste of Hill show, and then he just runs. <laughs> Wouldn't that would just be the cherry on the Sunday that is 2020? Drew Brees gets hurt, he doesn't play against the Niners. Taysom Hill comes in, has to start a quarterback, and just dominates a, a depleted 49ers team. That would be the capper to a year that will go down in history as the worst year. In maybe half a century. Uh, I think I'm going to have to root against that as much as I would love to see your reactions. I don't think I would get to see a reaction because I'm pretty sure you would just be done. You would fold it in. Your life's over. I'm not doing a pod anymore. Done. <laughs> the My mentions 
Oh my God. I can't even imagine. I People will, will hit me up on Twitter when he has like a five yard gain. It's like, yeah, you're welcome for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's mostly you. You jerk. <laughs> All right. So that's what are you, what are you going to do if the Niners go to the offseason and decide Taysom Hill's the guy? No, I will renounce my <laughs> fandom. No. Well, well, hold on. If they if they brought him in as like a running back or a receiver, I'd be totally fine with that. 100% fine. As a quarterback, get the fuck out of here. No way. <laughs> hey, we've fully gone off the rails, but I I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> can always count on you to get me all riled up about Taysom Hill. So that's it for this edition of the Instant Reaction Podcast. Again, I always feel weird asking you to rate, review, and subscribe after such a horrible game, but please do. <laughs> if you subscribe and you leave a review, we'd love to hear from you. We'll, if you ask a question, we'll answer it on the show. There's lots of questions still to be answered about the rest of this year and the coming off season, which is going to be one of the, I would say, most volatile off seasons this team has had in a, in a while. So ask away. We'll be happy to answer it. For Levin Black, I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. We'll talk to you next time.